0: Rather, it's these tiny little micro-interactions over a long period of time where I think people are just surprised when girls show interest in tech, and I think that people shy their boys away from the more artsy, crafty, sparkly, creative stuff.
1: Welcome to Kids Lab, a podcast for parents, educators, and everybody interested in STEAM education. In this episode, I'm talking to Natasha Journey from TechnoCheek. TechnoCheek tech craft kits provide resources, inspiration, and supplies for crafters to explore technology and techies to explore craft. So, Natasha is the founder of TechnoCheek. And she's using her passion for arts and crafts and DIY tech to transform the way the world understands and creates with technology. She holds a Bachelor of Fine Arts in Advertising Design from the Savannah College of Art and Design and a Master's Degree in Interactive Telecommunications from New York University. And has spent her professional career in education and design positions, including teaching Final Cut Pro in the Soho Apple Store and designing projects for companies like Brown Dog Gadgets and Little Bits. Natasha is an experienced workshop facilitator and teacher and loves to share her passion with students, crafters and companies. She's always looking to collaborate and share tech craft projects with other makers. Technochic.net is a great place to go for inspiration for DIY, tech-inspired and crafty projects. The project kits that Natasha sells online are very expressive and I'm sure that many kids will proudly use them in their everyday lives once they make them. For example, there's the Beer Unicorn DIY kit, which includes all materials to create a flashy LED lit unicorn headband, or the Watch Me Sparkle kit, which turns a reusable shopping bag into a flashy art project. Natasha is on a mission to shatter conventions around traditional thinking: tech is for boys and creativity is for girls. Hence, Techno Chic, short for Technology Should Be Chic. A nod to the fact that most tech is designed by men and therefore masculine, but it should be more chic. So check out the show notes at kidslab.dev to discover some images about Natasha's projects and kits, as well as the links mentioned during the interview. Again, that's kidslab.dev. So hi, Natasha. It's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me.
1: Yeah, you're very welcome. So Natasha, let's explore. Let's start by exploring techno chic. So it's a wordplay meaning tech should be chic, I believe. Yeah? I hope I also pronounced it correctly. And I guess there's a little bit of criticism included here. Essentially, typically tech is not chic, I guess. Yeah? So when did you discover that? And how did you, how did you fix that?
0: Sure. So when I was a kid, my parents actually owned a small computer repair shop. And I remember being about the height of a table and hanging out at the shop and looking around and everything was black, beige, or gray. And my dad sold camera bags and and computer bags too. And he would give me one and it would be like black. And I would be like, I'm not wearing this. Uh, I'm a little girl, I like pink things, I like shiny things, I like my tutu, Um, so what I would do is I would sew on little patches or use puff paint and decorate the non-chic computer accessories so uh you know that's really where it stemmed from was me just being really small and wishing that there was a chicer presence in the like technology space
1: then i guess if we forward that like 20 years into the future then you (laughs) that's how you discovered your passion for technology and also creativity in the end Then and that's how you started techno chic then or
0: Exactly. So, uh, yeah, fast forward, I ended up going to school for art direction uh, and I graduated in 2008. There weren't many jobs, and I started kind of going back and creating things. And one of the things that I started creating was some jewelry out of old circuit boards. I would break apart old cell phones and things that people would give me. And I also started creating coasters out of floppy disks, and I started To think like, okay, now I want to make these technology components, you know, really chic again. And I uh, also made these cool things that I called cozy phones, which were... Earmuff headphones. So I would take like a standard ugly piece of headphones and I would make them into these cute earmuffs that you could wear. So uh, that's kind of how that started is on Etsy. Etsy was this amazing place where, um, you know, there weren't many jobs out there and I was able to create something and someone could buy it from me. And that to me meant that I was worth something, you know, as a creator because. Someone actually put down money for something that I I made. So that's really where it started. At the time, I knew nothing about electronics. I knew a lot about art and design. But as time went on, I started to look at these circuit components and start to wonder, like, I wonder how this works. Um, And that led to me going back to school for a combination of technology and design.
1: Well, it's a great story. So it all started with basically having a tech-savvy, Parents, parents, basically, at home, right? And then, uh, yeah. fast forward into the future, you started creating your own tech coasters, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so were those also the first products then? Was this like the first product on Etsy that you kind of sold?
0: My first product, I believe, was a necklace made out of an old circuit board that I had soldered some additional components and some crystals onto. And that was just, I think, a huge... Point in my life where i was feeling like i didn't have uh you know an expressive thing and then i put this up on etsy and someone bought it and i was like oh my gosh there's like you know yeah you feel like you have worth like like, wow someone wanted something that i made that was just really fantastic yeah
1: there must have been a very empowering moment i think yes very cool yeah so when you look at the current shop that you have, uh, what's what's currently the best seller and what do you think are the reasons for this?
0: The, the best seller right now that I have are these blinky bow ties, which are a quick tech project where you make a bow tie that's just folded paper. But when you're done with it, it looks like this shiny, flashy thing. And you actually incorporate a quick electronic circuit, an LED and a battery circuit that's Something anyone can do and it makes something that is an electronic device that's wearable and you made it out of just paper in a few minutes.
1: I also noticed that your blog is really filled with tons of tutorials. And I was wondering how how on, on earth, basically, do you get all these ideas, actually? so
0: Yeah, I think that it, it stemmed from many years, me being afraid to jump into the actual technology side of things. You know, I was the crafter. I was the kid in the computer store, but I wasn't someone who was invited into the tech side, the, like, how does it work side of things. So as I got... Um, into that stuff, I wanted to make sure that anyone else who was like me that had a really good idea uh, who was maybe just working on a craft project but said, hey, I wonder if it did this or I wonder if it lit up or I wonder if uh, whatever is in their mind they could do it. So that's really where uh, I started to build these kits that would take you from someone who doesn't know anything about technology to really just only step one, you know, get started, get feeling like this is something that I could do and I could easily incorporate this into my project. So kind of meeting you where you are in the craft space and giving you that extra spark.
1: So if you could pick one tutorial, uh, which one would it be? And would would you kind of quickly tell us um, what it is all about, this tutorial?
0: Yeah, I think that my favorite tutorial I created back, I believe it was in March, uh, kind of right after the pandemic hit there was a challenge online to create something with only the materials in your junk drawer. And that also opened my eyes as well. Cause I looked through my junk drawer and what I found was this twist tie. And I, I never thought of this before, but I was like, this is a perfect hookup wire. It's a wire with insulation. And all you have to do is remove the insulation from the ends and you can use it just like you would have in a electronics kit. So what I ended up making is I call it the foxy bookmark. I designed an adorable little fox out of paper and I have the file available for download. Uh, And this bookmark transitions from a bookmark to a book light. Because the other thing is we have a lot of family at home these days. Everyone's trying to find their nook and cranny in the house to like be alone. So I was like a book light is perfect because you can like, crawl into like the corner of your house and have a little light and read your book and have your own space. It was a circuit that I made out of a small flashlight. I removed the battery and the led and I used those components along with the zip tie and a little binder clip that I had. And that was what went into making that circuit, including a little switch.
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, super cool ideas. Really? I love it. So, um, In the intro, we also, or I also mentioned already that you designed projects for Brown Dog Gadgets and also for Little Bits. So I wanted to ask you if you could explain some of the work that you did for them and also what you like about Brown Dog Gadgets and also Little Bits, of course.
0: Sure. I think that the companies that I love working for are those that are introducing this sense of play as well into this kind of education slash maker slash electronic space space. Uh, the idea is that, you know, you can put some components together in a playful manner rather than uh, worrying about breaking something. You're now just trying anything and seeing what will work. So I think both of those companies do a really great job at that. Uh, when I was working on little bits, I was working on some projects that kids could come in and build in the little pop-up retail store that they had. So that was a really nice experience because it was really designing uh, an experience in a space and inviting kids to come in and not say, like, you only have these materials that come in a kit, but you have all of these materials that you possibly could imagine here, and you can really create whatever you want using these little bits components. And uh, with Brown Dog Gadgets, uh, they also similarly have some little Lego pieces that you can put together, and it has that same sense of plug and unplug and play, and you could disassemble your circuit and try it again, or you could make something that's permanent and keep that as a project that you use in your life every day. So it's really, the, both, I just love both of those uh, <laughs> companies.
1: You seem to have found your dream job, right?
0: Uh, Yeah, I hope I could, uh, you know, keep doing work in that vein, yeah.
1: So, um, Natasha, it looks also like um, a stereotype you're trying to break with is that tech is for boys and creativity is for girls. So, I found that on your website, I think. And um, why why do you think this is so important to break this barrier?
0: I mean, I think I'm the biggest example of that. As someone who was a young girl growing up in a computer shop, I wonder what would have been offered to me, maybe, if I was a boy. And I I don't think that it's necessarily these gigantic affirmations that people say, oh, you know, you're a girl, so you should be on the creative side or the artsy side, and you're a boy, so you should be on the technology side. But rather, it's these tiny little micro interactions over a long period of time where I think people are just surprised when girls show interest in tech. And I think that people shy their boys away from the more artsy, crafty, sparkly, creative stuff. Um, And when I actually took those, the blinky bow ties, their uh, sister project is flat called flashy flowers, which is a flower version of a similar circuit. So I actually did those two products as a Maker Faire project. Yeah, so in 2015, I was going to do my first Maker Faire booth. And in the application, they said that you should do something interactive. You should teach people how to make something. And I really took that to heart. And I wanted to create a quick interaction where someone could build something uh, and someone could express themselves, and then I wanted it to also be a wearable because it's fun to walk around a fair and show off the thing that you just made if it's mm-hmm. if you're wearing it. Uh, so that's actually where the blinky bow ties came from, and their sister product is called Flashy Flowers, which is mm-hmm. a similar circuit. You put together a flower brooch that you could wear, uh, but that flower versus bow tie project actually ended up opening my eyes to those gender stereotypes that in a way that I never even expected. Uh, That project was so successful at the first fair that I actually ended up doing a Kickstarter and getting thousands of these produced. And I traveled around the USA to going going to all the different maker fairs. I think I did over 20 over two years And did the project with over 5,000 makers. So I have a huge sampling of interactions. And one of the things that I did at every fair is kids would come up and I would say, hi, like, welcome. And would you like to make a bow tie or a flower? And I really tried to ask every child whether they would want a bow tie or a flower, depend, like, whether they're a girl or a boy doesn't matter. I just asked everyone. And, you know, I started to see those patterns, and this is just an observational, I wasn't trying to be a data scientist about this, but just observational over 5,000 makers, uh, was that many times the parents would answer for the children if they said the opposite uh, thing, like if a boy asked for a flower and a girl asked for a bow tie, the parent might say like, oh, no, you meant the other one. Uh, So those are like very subtle behavioral differences things that are happening and and it seems so minor but when you go through that so many times with so many people you start to see these patterns
1: so it's topic that we're just talking about is gender equality and also stem education it seems to be a very important topic for you um do, do you think do you see some progress over the past years and, and what what do you think how how do we progress basically
0: yes i think that there has been a small amount of progress in this gender equality. I definitely am seeing a lot more role models, especially with women in the STEM field. So if you go to YouTube, you actually might find a female woodworker, a female electrical engineer talking to you, which I think is fantastic. Uh, But I think that it's, it's a very slow process. You need to accept these types of role models and we need to allow ourselves time to be influenced them and start to redefine what it means to be an engineer or a woodworker or someone who works with electronics uh, and that's just going to take time but I think that we're definitely going in the right direction
1: cool so let's keep pushing I would say very cool So I think you recently also joined a hackathon called Community Health Hackathon, and you won. So congratulations. Uh, Very cool. And can you shed some light on what was part of and what you did basically, and who was part of the team, your idea, the prototype, and what will happen next, actually?
0: Sure. Uh, Well, yeah, I'm just really excited to have won that hackathon. It's something that I never thought that we would be able to do. But I joined with two of my friends, Casey and Liz. Liz is an industrial design student and Casey is an art and makerspace teacher. um, And you know me now. So uh, we really fit very well together in developing a product in only about 48 hours, so a weekend's time. Uh, So we came up with a product that we called Ready Set Wearables. And it basically was just a collection of watch band accessories uh, that you could use to hold things that you need now with this pandemic so a door pull a little bit of hand sanitizer, or some medicine on your wristwatch. because we realized that people aren't really carrying around bags anymore they're just going to the store getting what they need coming back and especially from observation here in jersey city a city you don't have a car with you so this is we're very uh carry everything with you type society here so we were really excited we did uh liz did an excellent uh engineering design casey added to the visual design and i worked on the story and the project management and we really just worked so well together it was wonderful to be a part of (laughs)
1: Amazing and all that in forty eight hours, right? So I guess there was also a lot of three uh, D printing involved, for example, right? And yeah, oh, very cool.
0: And we did it all remote too, because uh, that's that's the way the world is now. <laughs>
1: yeah, totally. Ah, I just realized. Okay, so you just you just didn't didn't just keep two meter distance or something like that, but you actually really worked <laughs> remotely. Yeah. This is amazing. Yes,
0: yeah, so <laughs> wow. we had a I think a forty eight hour like long Google Hangout going constantly Mm -hmm. on (laughs) you know
1: this this reminds me that a lot of crazy and also good things actually happened since the corona pandemic so i'm really trying to frame this a bit positively here um what do you think we have learned from from the corona pandemic and could you share some of the positive experiences you had that kind of give us a bit hope basically that it's not all in vain i would say
0: absolutely uh i feel like i have had so many opportunities in the last few months to connect with people like yourself that are not physically near me. So I've been doing online challenges, challenging other artists, trying to partner with people and the location that we're in no longer is a barrier. We're now, if you're going to be on the other side of a computer screen anyway, it means that you could be anywhere in the world. So to me, this has really opened up my eyes to the possibilities of collaborating literally across the globe, which is something that I don't know why I thought was not an option before. It just might've seemed too, too far away even though it just is the same on this computer to have that. So I I really, I've been trying to do collaborations uh, with other makers and I've been having a great time learning about, what people are doing all across the globe.
1: It's, it's a little bit like um, things have been speeding up, actually, because, I mean, we had the technical possibilities also six months ago or so, right? But we somehow didn't use them. And now it just became crystal clear to everybody that we can actually work remotely. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs>
0: yeah. I think the other thing that's really fantastic as someone who's, I'm, I'm a bit like shy and soft-spoken if I'm in a group, And you can't really talk over people in a Google chat. So you kind of have to say, okay, you speak, then you speak, then you speak. And that gives me an opportunity to speak where sometimes I would otherwise get talked over. So I have actually been enjoying voicing my opinion lately.
1: Very cool. Very cool. And you, Natasha, you already mentioned um, that you've been on Kickstarter and I probably just have to say here for the record, you had seven projects by now, I believe, right? You yes. all got the We Love Tag from Kickstarter, Project We Love Tag. So that's amazing, actually, right? Um, so how has, how has Kickstarter helped you to get projects off the ground? What's so cool about Kickstarter? Is it just about the money or what else do you get from Kickstarter?
0: Ah, well, I don't think Kickstarter, for me at least, Kickstarter isn't really about the money. It's, it's about maybe making sure that you don't lose money, uh, but I've never really made much more than the cost of the project are. What it is for me is it's about seeing if there's a community around an idea that you have. So if you have this thought, oh, I, I want to make this product, like, for example, with the flashy flowers and the blinky bow ties, I went to... Maker Faire and people thought it was a good idea. So I went to Kickstarter to see if maybe there's more people out there who think it's a good idea. And that really clued me into whether it would work or not. And I I think that's really the value of it because the way Kickstarter works, if you don't hit your goal, you don't have to actually deliver the project. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of, it's good. I mean, failure on Kickstarter, doesn't actually mean failure. It means you didn't hit the target that you're looking for, the community isn't quite there yet. So it just means either you need to reevaluate the project a little bit, or maybe just try to find the audience that is is somewhere else than where you thought it was. So uh, yeah, I, I think Kickstarter is fantastic for that. I've also had Kickstarters that didn't work. And I was okay with that, because it meant that I wasn't going to go do a bunch of work and then find out after I have a whole bunch of products that nobody wants them, you know? <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Great use of Kickstarter. Very cool. So would you like to mention something that's coming up? Maybe a new Kickstarter, maybe a real physical event that you're really looking out for?
0: Oh, uh, well, yeah, I think as time goes on, I, I don't really know if we will be back into physical workshop spaces in the same amount that we had been for a while, maybe a little bit. Uh, so that's unfortunate. So, what I, I'm trying to do is put more of what I do online. So, I'm thinking about creating the files that I used to send to the manufacturer as something that people could download and create themselves. Uh, especially since there's, when I first started the Silhouette Cameo and the Cricut Maker and those like desktop CNC cutting machines were not very popular, but now so many people have them. So I think it's a great opportunity to, for a designer like me to say, you know, I don't have to cut all the shapes out for you and, and cut all the pieces. I can just uh, share a file with you very much the same way that the 3D printing community has. So I'm working on a uh, translating those things and i am thinking of doing a kickstarter soon to get those files made and out to everyone
1: very cool so i see a ex- extremely long list of links um, for the show notes this time so later on we can chat about that how we get that list um, natasha for now thank you so much it was really amazing to talk to to you and i wish you all the best for the future
0: oh thanks so much for having me
1: I hope you enjoyed this interview with Natasha, challenging some of the traditional thinking also when it comes to STEM education. Like always, be sure to visit kidslab.dev for the show notes, images and all the links mentioned. In the next episode, I'm talking to Dave, the president of Solarbotics. Solarbotics is selling educational robotic kits for any skill level.